started. Sonic Truth Dynasty Focused Podcast is back. I'm Alan Sislowski of Rotowire.com along with Theo Grebinger, the Podfather. Should be back one of these weeks. Uh, I mean, how long is this guy going on permanent vacation, Theo? What's going on here? So Matt's Matt's on a nice little little family vacation. <laughs> um, he's out of town, and we're holding it down. I was actually in Canada this past weekend. Right. I got back yesterday, and my flight was delayed. So I'm like, you know, creating the show late last night, just 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 getting after it. But I'm I'm excited to talk Dynasty with you. It's it's like almost July one. We got Fourth of July weekend coming up. This is like, this is go time, Alan. I'm in I'm in your draft. You're doing an NFFC draft. I joined yeah. your draft. It's a it's a loaded draft. Well, yeah, we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. But you know, I think one of our sponsors doesn't want us talking about that specific draft. So we'll we'll have you on my podcast and we'll talk about that. But as everybody tunes in for the Song Truth podcast, we're going to talk about uh, Dynasty startup season. I know that all of you watching, we've been doing Dynasty startups since December, since February, right? Uh, we've been studying our rookies, doing our rookie drafts, but. This is really the heart of Dynasty startup season. It's best ball season redraft uh, after the 4th of July for sure. So we want to make sure that we give you a few Dynasty updates, players that we've seen changing values over the last few weeks. And there hasn't even been any football, but there has been some news. And the values change, the ADPs change. So I want to go over all of that with you, Theo, to give our Dynasty listeners, um, you know, just some things to think about as they get into their startup drafts. Um, one of the notes I saw today was that Gardner Minshew has is in line to start week one. I, I've told people that Anthony Richardson starting day one. I don't care if he's ready or not. What's the most valuable thing in football to a real NFL club, Theo? What's the most valuable type of contract? A rookie QB deal, Alan. There you go. So why waste it sitting on the bench? Have you ever learned something by watching it or by doing it, right? So should we ignore this news that Minshew's grasping the playbook, or is Anthony Richardson still 75% chance to start week one? Yeah, I mean, I'd expect him to start week one. I think that they don't want to delay delay the inevitable, but I will say that he's 20 years old. They don't want him to start out with like a, a real dud. That that division is manageable for them. Like I think Jacksonville is is a very very good team, um, but but they can they can do some things. Indianapolis is a is a franchise that seems to be focused on winning. Um, so I think they want to keep things as simple as possible for for Richardson. I think if he's a little bit slow out the gate, you could see a Minshew for a game or two. But I really I really doubt it. I I would bet on. I think your seventy five percent is about correct for him starting game one. If you're in one of these dynasty startup super flex drafts, like we all are, I mean, I know we do a ton of one QB as well. Is Anthony Richardson like a defensible pick is at one twelve on that turn right there? In a you know, when the first eight quarterbacks go off the board and then you see Bijan and the two receivers go off the board, I mean, do you take CeeDee Lamb? Can you take Anthony Richardson there? Is that still a reasonable pick? Yeah, I think that it's it's Richardson is kind of in, in startup drafts. It, it's do you weigh Richardson versus like the Deshaun Watson, the Dak tier, uh, Kyler's going a little bit later now that he's banged up. But like that little tier, I think Richardson is definitely has the most juice and the most upside. We've already seen with those guys like getting a little bit older. We've seen Deshaun Watson struggle. We've seen Kyler Murray get injured. Um, you know, we've seen Dak 
not really quite reach that elite tier for Superflex. So for me, I, I agree with you. I think Anthony Richardson is a guy that is well worth the risk. And I think even if he struggles mightily this year, he's not going to like lose a ton of dynasty value because people are going to remember what Justin Fields did entering year two. I mean, how much I mean, there could have been a worse year versus expectation than when Trevor Lawrence, after his rookie season, he lost almost no value. He went from being pick eight in a dynasty startup to maybe, you know, pick 15, pick 16. If Anthony Richardson's going on the one two turn, I mean, how much value? Let's say it goes bad for him. Right. And bad doesn't mean like Zach Wilson bad. Bad just means like he's he's getting you like 17 fantasy points a game, 16 fantasy points a game. I mean, I don't, I don't see him losing any value. Trey Lance didn't lose value after yeah. his rookie year. And Richardson is so insulated by his rushing upside that, like, even if he plays really badly, he's still going to run for some yards. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's almost too big to fail. We talk about Richardson's upside, but a quarterback like that really has a high floor more than upside right off the bat here. Now, you mentioned Deshaun Watson versus Anthony Richardson. And then you said Dak. I would have, I mean, I guess rank those guys one, two, and three. Uh, I mean, is there a clear order for you? Is it really just a matter of what kind of a bet you want to make at that point early in your draft? So Deshaun Watson's shown it. Like, you know, the, we, we're, we're asking him to kind of, we're, we're asking drafters to kind of ignore what happened last year. And, and I think you can make, you know, very educated uh, excuses. There was obviously a lot of the off-the-field distractions for Deshaun last year. There was the fact he couldn't practice with the team and then just gets thrown right right into it and, and struggled mightily. But I don't know. For me, it's probably Richardson over Watson. But I do know that there's a lot of really sharp people, yourself included, that are <laughs> that are looking for a, like looking at Watson as like that ultimate super flex value right now because Watson is 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 locked in as starter. The amount of money they gave him, they're committed to him. Uh, this year, I think the offense is going to take a step forward, and I think Watson will look a little bit more like his old self. Can he return to what we saw in Houston is the question. If you think that he can return to that level, then absolutely I should take him in, in ahead of Anthony Richardson and ahead of Dak Prescott. But if you have any reservations and you think that this is kind of like the start of something, then I think he's third on that list. So it's really kind of in the eye of the beholder, but I will say there's a lot of sharp money on on Watson right now. Yeah, I mean, he's only 27 years old, right? I mean, you think about, like, where people value Kirk Cousins, yourself included, and for good reason. He's 34 years old. Yeah. 27, I mean, let's do the math here. That, that's a lot of years till he gets to 34, and like you said, he's protected by that, uh, that big contract. He can't go anywhere for a minimum of three years. I think that giving him the uh, proverbial mulligan, like we did Trevor Lawrence, really does make a lot of sense. But I'm not going to fault anybody. I just took Anthony Richardson over him in one draft. It was a just a $50 draft that I'm in right now. And it's just because I have zero Anthony Richardson and I wanted in on that. Uh, I'm, I'm becoming a little bit more of a portfolio player. <laughs> As I, and meanwhile, my portfolio is growing and growing and growing. How about Dak? We didn't touch on him. Did we put him a full tier below at this point? I mean, 30 years old. Uh, a lot of smart players have him right in there. I mean, where should we be valuing him? Would you take him above some of the other position players that are available right there? You know, say C.D. Lamb or another running back or, you know, if it's a tight end premium, a tight end. Where is Dak fall in that QB hierarchy uh, versus some of the other position players? It's it's tough because when you're picking like towards that turn in Superflex, you, you really want to have an edge. I don't know if Dak gives you like the edge. Like, I know that there's, 
this year we have a, like question marks with new offensive coordinator in there. Maybe McCarthy's a little bit more involved. Like, I don't know. For me, it, it would be very difficult if I walked away from a super flex draft with Dak as my foundational first first pick. Um, I would m- maybe rather punt QB a little bit and take like a truly elite upside running back or wide receiver. I think that that would be kind of my my edge. I don't know. There's something just about Dak. It's kind of like a vanilla pick right around there that I don't think really uh, puts my team in a contention to necessarily win right now. And then you're taking a 30-year-old that, you know, I think he'll age pretty gracefully, but you never know. Let's say that Dak falls a little bit in your in your super flex startup drafts, right? And you took Justin Fields or whoever the last of those elite quarterbacks to go. And Dak is on the board. He Because you said you don't want him as your quarterback. One, he obviously makes for an ideal second quarterback. But if you're sitting right there and your wide receiver four is on the board, meaning like, I don't know, is it Garrett Wilson for you? Is it Amon Ross St. Brown? Whoever that is. Because we know C.D. Lamb will probably go earlier. So if you're making a choice like that, Dak Prescott as your QB2 or the wide receiver four is there. Given, you know, again, obviously Dak will have more value, but every player is available in a startup draft. It's not like a uh, an existing league. So what do you what do you think, if your money's on the line, what kind of a choice are you going to make there? I think you still probably lean Dak if it's, if it's for Amon Ra or Garrett Wilson just because of the scarcity of the position and the potential teardrop after. Uh, and then certainly trade equity in Superflex, Dak is going to be worth the, more than those two guys. Um, I think Dak for me, if like a Bijan falls and you can get a Dak Bijan start or maybe Dak with one of those wide receivers, I think that would be really appealing. Mm. But I just don't want it to be like Dak. I feel like I'm going to have to punch up if I have Dak as like my foundational piece followed up by maybe a quarterback behind him or a positional player that is like we're really hopeful for. Like I I, I love Garrett Wilson. I love Amon Ross St. Brown, but those guys are just not Justin Jefferson or Jamar T- Chase here. Yeah, the other thing about Dak that scares me, Theo, is Kellen Moore is gone, and now Mike McCarthy is going to be calling the plays. And you could say Mike McCarthy had some offensive success in Green Bay, or you could you could, ha- could fall under the uh, the assumption that he was dragging down the offense, and Aaron Rodgers was the only thing keeping it above. But we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. Uh, as everybody knows, this podcast, the Sonic Truth podcast, is sponsored by the FFPC, where all the high stakes, best ball. And uh, Dynasty Drafts are going on right now. So here's a quick word from our sponsors at the FFPC. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature Players Championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC and remember... Use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. Go get it. Go get it. Give the ad bumper, Alan. There you go. 
I mistimed that. All right, everybody. I'm Alan Sislowski of Rotowire.com, along with Theo Greminger of PlayerProfiler.com. Uh, and this is the Sonic Truth Dynasty-focused fantasy football podcast. And Theo, I know we referenced it earlier that you've been tirelessly working on the uh, the draft kit. We're gonna, just going to talk about uh, we have our dynasty rankings up there right now. You have your, um, your redraft. So just give everyone a, a quick one-minute elevator pitch what's going on with the player profile draft kit and why they should be going to sign up for it. Well, the draft kit is live right now. It's ha- it's amazing. Like the amount of information we packed into it team wise, the amount of information we packed into it player wise, we give you an interactive top 300. We have cameos from some fantastic analysts like Alan Ooh. who give you his takes on multiple players we have, you know, Matt Harmon, Ray GQ, Heath Cummings. I mean, there's a ton of them. Uh, you know, if you're a fan of of Player Profiler, you get to see Matt Kelly, Billy Muzio, myself. Like, we go in-depth. We give you, like, a two- to three-minute video on, on these players and how we think they're going to perform. We also have every kind of ranking you could imagine. For FFPC drafters, we give you FFPC rankings. Uh, we give you, you know, Superflex. We give you PPR. And again, the, the team previews, when I say team previews, it's not like two paragraphs. We have a review from last season. We have a signature trend, which is key stats that we think can move the needle this year in terms of fantasy. We have a preview. Uh, we have ADP movers, which get adjusted throughout the summer. I just wrote one on Alexander Madison. Um, so I'm going to be updating that kind of as the ADP movement comes along. You're going to be able to, to look in on your draft kit and you're going to say, oh, look at this. Dalton Kincaid jumped you know seven, eight spots this week. That's something that we, we're continually updating. You're also going to get my top 300. You're going to get Billy Muzio's top 300 and Dario Ofstein's top 300. And we have a short little uh, video that I'm going to run, Alan, uh, to give you kind of an idea of what the draft kit looks like. Hey, it's the Podfather of great news. The 2023 draft kit is live. It is world famous. Why? Because it is the best resource for winning fantasy football championships that exists. There are rankings and cheat sheets for every format you can imagine. We have projections both at the team level and the player level. And wherever you are, you can click on a player, open them up, and see in-depth written analysis about what to expect in fantasy football from that player this year. And then you can click on the team, and you can get even more in-depth analysis, all the drivers of fantasy production both in a positive and negative direction for that team, including a signature trend. And the graphics are incredible. So these team insights, they give you the team-level projections, the vacated targets, the vacated areas, and that one dynamic for each team that you need to know when making decisions on draft day. And we added a bunch of features. I mean, individual cheat sheets for Theo and Billy and Dario. So you could take your favorite analyst and download their personal draft cheat sheet And then in the commissioner's section, also brand new this year, Memphis Young lays out everything you need to know to manage a league, do's, don'ts, tips, and what the more innovative fantasy commissioners are doing this year. That's presented by Trophy Smack. The whole package is presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC, Ray Garvin, Derek Brown, the best minds in the industry contributing analysis. It's certainly not the most inexpensive draft kit on the market, but... uh, it is the best. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Go get it. 
Yeah, that's a, it's um, the one thing that he doesn't mention in there, which uh, I, I don't think you mentioned either. I think that a good uh, as a consumer, as, a, as someone who purchases your draft kit, right? You know, I don't get it for free. I mean, that's not part of my pay here, people. But um, if I don't want to even do all that and get into those stats and trends, you guys just have a, a very easy to use cheat sheet. If I want you guys to do all the work and I just want to show up to my draft. That's there too. You download Cheat Sheet. There's easy. It's easy cross off. It's electronic, so you can get into all the nuances. But what I do like is that it's just plug and play for the lazy drafter like myself. Yeah, and a big shout out to Alan who did a fantastic Travis Kelsey and a fantastic Bijan Robinson. I think you'll really enjoy those. And if you want to take it up a notch, and you want to go even deeper, you can get the all in package. And Alan, guess what? Today I'm dropping a special code. Ooh. If you put in the word Theo, you get ten dollars off of the all in package. Love it. Yeah, no, I'm an all-in member, so I hope I can get that retroactive coupon. Let's get back to some Sonic Truth Dynasty-focused. Uh, and by the way, the thing that in, in, the, uh, in the draft kit about commissioners and managing your league, that is important because we just had a, uh, I mean, a complete chaos in a, in a Dynasty startup that I'm in right now. Um, we can, you know, I'm sure if anyone out there is listening that's a commissioner in a Dynasty league, you've had these type of problems. Are you a commissioner of any leagues, Theo? Dynasty leagues? In the past, I was a commissioner. Yeah, I no longer commission. It's it's a it's a thankless task. Yeah, and the job of it, what they asked me on the Goat District podcast, and you know, a couple other like, what's the job? It's just a peacekeeper. It's a manager. You know, it's a it's a a, a bean collector, right? You have to collect the money, all those things. But we had um, or or Alan or a dictator. Some yeah, oh, no, dictators. You, you I mean, you have dictators. to you have to rule with an iron fist. There is no I don't like votes. I don't like democracy, especially when someone knows what they're doing. When someone that doesn't know what they're doing, oh, I have to be fair to the people, make votes. Don't do that. Uh, yeah, we can go over. You want to hear a little bit of the chaos? Do you want to weigh in on that? Because I love it. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I mean, more or less, is somebody was doing a QB horde. Do you want to explain in Superflex what a QB horde is in, in just the Cliff Notes version? So Alan will play in some classical dynasty formats where your roster, Alan, in this format, I'm guessing is like 30 guys. It, it's, yeah, 35 deep with like three receivers, three flex, plus super flex, two tight ends, one of those deals. So this doesn't work in, in formats like the FFPC where you have a 20-man no. 20 20 man roster. You'll ruin your team if you try to quarterback hoard. And certain formats, you, you can't take a certain number of quarterbacks. They, they cap it, like the triflex. But for a classical dynasty format like Allen likes, uh, you, you have these, these managers that will take like every single quarterback and they'll become a QB hoarder, hoping that somebody will trade them like a CD lamb for like a QB two, like for a Geno Smith plus or something like, yeah, because their hands are completely tied and they're going to have to pay me a fortune or they're going to have to give me multiple picks in order to get like my QB five, because I have so many of them. Yeah. It's the only position you can really do this with. Um, and it's, it gets, it ruffles some feathers, doesn't it, Alan? Ruffle some feathers. We had, I mean, so do you, let me ask you and do you answer this honestly. So somebody, if they take like five of their first six picks or QB, so that would be a typical QB horde, something like that. Do you believe in your opinion, is that out of bounds? Is that uh push it? Is that, is that, is that unethical within the fantasy or is that all, is that fair game? I think that if you're if you're drafting against somebody and you realize their strategy, whether it's a wide somebody going crazy with the wide receivers or running backs, or maybe somebody in an FFPC format loves taking tight ends, if you see this sort of uh, tactic, it's your job to adjust and adjust to how other drafters are drafting in your league. It's not their job to be 
um, you know, equitable with their positions that they draft. There's no rules for that. If your league has a certain number of quarterbacks you're allowed to roster, um, if it doesn't have that, then this completely, completely inbounds. And, um, you know, people complaining about the way other people's other people are drafting. It's a little soft, Alan. Yeah. Did you see the thread that I sent you yesterday? No, I got I got to look yeah. at it. I heard this. I heard this got a lot of traction. I, I went and looked on um, on sleeper Twitter. I didn't see it. So I'm going I'm to have to look. Yeah, well, I said that link I sent you was for... Anyway, there was a big blow up in the league. People left the league because they didn't like people QB hoarding. I tend to agree with you, even though, you know, I, I, I try to be empathetic and diplomatic to all members of the league. But yeah, I mean, you know, that that's, to me is inbounds and you have to adjust, like you said. So as a league commissioner, those are one of the things that Memphis talks about in the uh, in the player profiler draft kit on how to manage a league, how to address certain things, and obviously you have to have an ironclad constitution. Anything to add before we move on to some more of our agenda today? No, I guess it's just like complaining season. I think it's it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 just funny. We talked in the pre-show about how people start getting their feathers a little ruffled. I think we're ready for some NFL football to start, Alan. Oh, and this is like the next two months is just like every single day there's going to be some sort of false outrage. There's going to be some sort of news that, that moves the needle. Fantasy Twitter is just lit in, in, in July and August. Yeah, no, there, this was not false outrage. This was real outrage. People quitting the league, uh, name calling. And, and Alan, I, how does that, how do you quit a league after you've already, you're in the middle of a startup and you quit? Haven't you put up money or anything at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's not an expensive league. It was like a $50 best ball dynasty, which is, you know, again, if you just want to draft and you want to have some stake in the game, 50 and best, bucks. And I'd say best ball to us dynasty super flex quarterback hoarding is probably good strategy because you're covering yourself up to get two usable quarterback weeks every single week right. and you will have an advantage at like the the two highest scoring positions for for super flex so if there's any format that this should be a thing it's it's uh best ball yeah the other the counter to that is that let's say you're you know that unpredictable wide receiver four has that huge day where he has six for 110 and two touchdowns that that player can be inserted into your super flex spot but you would really want that that player inserted into your wide receiver three spot and then so yeah no what you're saying makes sense but either way there was a lot of name calling people left the league um I mean, who was, you know, who was the hoarder, Alan? Who was uh, the hoarder? I, you know what? I don't even know the guy. I don't. I only know his screening. But again, I think it's fair. But I understand. You know, I didn't realize that people would think that was out of bounds. Like, let me give you an example. Like in your dynasty leagues, you've had people back in the day when you were using a lot of kickers and stuff. Remember, there was that that glitch in a lot of software oh, yeah. where you could you could pick up a kicker, drop them right away, and they wouldn't be pickupable for lack of a better word for for another waiver manager. waiver waiver wire churning. That was right. scumbag stuff back in the day. Right. That, I agree, is out of bounds. So if so, your opponent needed a kicker, you'd pick up and drop every kicker. Not me. I know Theo would do tactics like that. 100%. <laughs> and then those kickers wouldn't be allowed. Now the softwares have adjusted. If you drop a player within you know within the, the a day of picking him up, they, they stay free agent, first come, first serve in most software. So um, I think that's a podcast. Anything else that you've seen that's out of bounds that commissioners need to be aware of before we move on? Do you think like there's any tactics? Is there... You know, any trading? St- I mean, obviously, we don't talk collusion because I, I don't think I've ever seen collusion in the league. Like there ever. was there was a high stakes baseball uh, collusion story years back in one of these uh, formats. We're not going to talk about not not FFPC, but one of the competitors and they caught the guys. I think that mm. the league they but they went a couple months of some sort of I, I'm not sure quite how it worked, but I think there was two teams kind of playing a home game. So it's it has happened. It's it's almost impossible 
to pull off in a, in a real dynasty league because because people would would have uh, seen it. Yeah. But you have seen, I will say, in a, occasionally in like a home redraft league, you'll try to see somebody make some BS trade towards the end of the year that can maybe their team starts getting out of contention and you see kind of a questionable trade go down. So I don't know. There's some scumbag stuff that goes on in, in fantasy football, Alan. And and as you know, like some of these leagues, it gets really heated as the season moves along. Guys, guys start like kind of hating each other at times. Dude, and you'll fr- see friendships terminated, like lifelong friendships end because of this kind of stuff. And man, we care a lot about it. We're here. We're here chopping it up every single week, Alan. So we we feel for it. But I don't, I don't think it's a reason to end a friendship. But guys get incredibly, incredibly heated about it. Yeah. No, I, I, one rule, and I'm not sure if we talked about it on this podcast that we do in a dynasty league, the one I manage, and it's not, you know, it's a $300 entry league. So it's, you know, it's something. And what we do is we allow any trade that, let's say you and I make a trade, Theo, right? I'll give you a specific trade that went up on the board in one of my leagues about two years ago. Patrick Mahomes was traded for Daniel Jones and a first. Now, obviously, we know which side. The Patrick Mahomes is a slaughter. So that trade in our league goes up on the board. And all the other managers have 24 hours to me- to negotiate with the two managers and come over the top of that trade. Okay? So after 24 hours, right? Now, some people think this is training wheels. I think that this protects the league in te- um, longevity by assuring the stars get traded for market value. Because what's one of the worst you hear in every league? Oh, I would have given you double for that player. I would have given you more. Okay, then why didn't you? Sometimes the manager, you don't even know that player is on the block. So you give 24 hours for a trade match rule, and then the original owner can come over the top of that so they're totally not boxed out. Now, one of the other caveats is, Theo, is that you can't. So let's say you were the guy that put Patrick Mahomes up there and the other guy is Daniel. I can negotiate with you for more, but you can't add to your side. You can't now add like Patrick Mahomes in a second, and I'm giving all this inventory. Is this something you think is good or you just don't want that in your leagues? I, I generally don't like um, vetoes. I think it's, it's not a veto. It's, a, it's not a veto. It's, it's a, a trade protest. match. It's a trade match. So I, I, I get that one. I, I'll say that, I don't know. It's kind of like once somebody accepts a trade, then it should kind of accept. But I will agree with you that a dynasty league can get ruined by by people not understanding value. And I'll say it's an even worse problem when you see people that make bad trades in startups where they don't quite understand how much equity they should get back if they trade if they trade back or or maybe trading for a future one, maybe overpaying for that. Like you'll see that. And I think that creates like a bunch of potential orphans. Um, it sounds like you you have a system where Guys are used to it, and they are kind of all into this. Um... They, they resisted at first. They resisted. I said sometimes a good a good commissioner, a good leader, has to do something that the good for the people they don't even know is good for them. You know, it's like a like the the the, the Pinochet of uh, of commissioners. <laughs> yeah, now I'm telling you, it's like I said, someone's always pissed off with this trade match rule, but. It ensures stars get traded for fair value, and there's no veto. This is absolutely not a veto. That trade, that original trade, Daniel Jones for Patrick Mahomes, if no one comes over the top, that trade goes through. It's just that everyone else, if they think it's such a bad trade and the other guy get ripped off, give more. Give Deshaun Watson in two firsts. You know? Let, let's compete for this guy. Put him on. I mean, the real, the, in a perfect world, you put your player on the block and you start fielding offers, all right? But sometimes we're all in 30 leagues, 40 leagues, 20 leagues, 15 leagues, and we don't have time to like pay attention to every little transaction. This just, again, um, ensures that, and it's good for the long-term part of the F- league. FFPC, I like the way they do it for Dynasty, where if multiple managers complain, then it gets overturned by the FFPC. Um, I don't think it's it's quite vetoes, but 
again with the orphans that they that they make cheaper um you have some people who just might not be quite as ready and they get taken advantage of in some of these leagues with a lot of money on the line alan yeah any other um like rules that you look for that you must like if you walk into a league to check it out that you're going to be in and you see there's something that they don't have or have is something that you must have or don't have in any of the leagues that you would tell anyone getting into a dynasty startup right now that they should look for well i like leagues that have multiple flex positions especially in dynasty like for me personally like that's one thing that i care about why because i feel like that rewards the sharper drafter if you have a stronger roster you have more guys at play um i don't necessarily like i i enjoy single quarterback i like super flex but for me i want to have multiple flex positions i think it's the best way to play fantasy and i i think it's a little antiquated to have a single flex even Sometimes if it's like a if it's a crazy wide receiver starter league, then I can understand it. But it, I I prefer it where more of my guys are in play. I think it gives me a little bit more of an edge. Um, so that's what I'm kind of looking for. Yeah, I mean it's in, so important if you're in, especially like in sleeper and you go into a sleeper room to check out the read the rules, make sure all the settings of your tier you're liking, uh, find out what the payouts are. That's another good piece of advice. Is it? Is it the first place gets everything? Is there a flatter payout where they're paying the top four? Make sure, and then there's no shame in leaving the room before the draft because, like Theo said, walking out in the fifth round, it's it's kind of whack, you know. And the other thing I would advise is that make sure the commissioner is collecting dues. A minimum, if it's only going to be one year in advance, make sure that if anyone trades away a pick, that that person is paying for that year they're trading away. If they're trading away their 2024 second. They should be paying for the full year of 2024. This way, if they do leave the league, that year is covered. So a new manager coming in can at least have a free year with their pick missing. Yeah, and I think you know it's it's difficult because sometimes you get to you know higher stakes and people don't necessarily want to pay this. But I think it's not bad strategy to collect two years of dues and have next year be paid for um, in any dynasty startup. I think it it kind of cr- it allows strategy to come into the into the startup. Um, I think it makes people a little more invested in what they're doing. And I'll say that, you know, if you enjoy this kind of talk, we had uh, our first of our expert series this summer. We have a bunch of like very successful high stakes, uh, you know, drafters uh, doing individual articles uh, like a one off for playerprofiler.com. And we had Austin Martin, who's probably the best high stakes uh, FFPC dynasty guy around, certainly probably has the most skin in the game and has made the most. And the number one of the number one rules he talked about in his dynasty article was knowing your rules. And I think like like what Alan's talking about, like I think a lot of people get in and realize things later and it's surprising to them. And I'll say that like any kind of format for fantasy you get into, whether it's dynasty, whether it's redraft, knowing your rules and your scoring better than your opponents, especially when when it's the the draft for redraft or the startup draft for dynasty. Like that gives you an edge and it sounds so simplistic, but so many players are just like, whatever, I'm hopping in. Yeah, because we all have that thirst to draft. We all want to get in there. But I've learned the hard way. You know, like I've I've been in leagues where it was single tight end. Someone just says, oh, yeah, this is a tight end premium league. So I, I go in there and usually if it's 1.5, I don't push up the tight end too much. I look in there. It was two PPR for tight end. And now all of a sudden I'm starting Gerald Everett. Some other players out there are starting Mark Andrews, uh, you know, Dallas Goddard and, you know, some, some tight end 12 and in their flex spot. So really do read your rules. Let's get back to some uh, some giving people some updates because everyone's piling into these uh, startup drafts right now. 
And it's amazing that if we had clarity on who the San Francisco 49ers starting quarterback was, Theo, that that would be quarterback 14 at very minimum, right? If Trey Lance was named the starter, he'd be probably quarterback 8 or 7 at this point, maybe even 10 at worst. But because there's so much ambiguity and nobody really knows, these guys are getting pushed down the board past quarterback 15. Trey Lance, I mean— He's now basically a throw-in. We've had some good news about Brock Purdy that he's going to go actually to Jacksonville, my hometown, and starts doing some throwing. So there's no way to know. But what people want to hear from you, Theo, is how should these guys be valued in a startup setting? So I, I think you want to have a little bit of apprehension in a startup setting for both. I think that Purdy is probably the value because I think we both agree like Lance was obviously a, a good prospect coming in, had a ton of trade equity, but I think that the 49ers want Purdy to be the man. So I think this year is kind of a question mark year for Lance. If Purdy is healthy, I think Purdy is the guy there. They want it to happen. He, uh, the I think the, the team that they have out there right now, Alan, based on how they did last season with Purdy behind center, I think that's kind of like the ideal outcome. To run the same offense, to utilize Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. Like Those guys are going to thrive with Brock Purdy behind center. Now, Trey Lance has the most upside in terms of quarterback scoring because he's got the rushing upside. And we we talked about it in the pre-NFL draft. We thought that Trey Lance might get traded. Now this could be like a purgatory year for him where he's on the bench, he's behind Brock Purdy, and we don't have any clarity about the future. Uh, where are you at, Alan? Did you, did you hear Adam Schefter on McAfee's podcast, the quote? He said that it was... There, it was, there was no it, market, right? Right. Well, he said there was there was no calls for Trey Lance, which makes sense. You know what? Sometimes, like even I, I, this is the kind of stock I put in that is that sometimes if someone says Justin Jefferson's on the block in your dynasty league, you almost don't make an offer because you know, like, you okay. That's actually I'm going to give someone further down. Garrett Wilson's on the block. You're not just going to send like a first round pick, right? Because you know that that's not going to get it done. So you don't even make an offer because you just know it's not going to get accepted. You, your time is more valuable than engaging. Now, I guess if you're desperate for a quarterback, you wouldn't. But by the time that all of this is coming out, most teams have had their quarterback situation settled. The time to do this would be before the draft. The teams that were, that were you know, needed a quarterback, either drafted one or they named Sam Howell, you know, their quarterback. Atlanta has gone all in on Desmond Ritter. So it doesn't surprise me, Theo, that there's no market for Trey Lance unless somebody wants to underpay for him. So really the question is, is that Trey Lance is top three pick. I mean, isn't it likely that no matter what happens, even next year, he's going to get another chance? Because one of the questions I keep getting is, what should I get out for? That's why, uh, you know, that quotable went up on, on Player Profiler that where I said Trey Lance is Bitcoin because he's been a volatile dynasty asset. That's why I compared him to Bitcoin. And nobody knows what price to get out on. Okay, I've lost money. Should I get out here or should I wait for it to go back up in value? Very similar to what people felt with Bitcoin. So if you're holding Trey Lance right now and someone offered you a single set, say a 2.2 in this year's draft, is that enough for you to get out? Or would you want to hold him to see if next year somebody gives this guy a shot? So for me, I would probably take him for the for the 202. I would want the Lance side. Um, right, you wouldn't but, like if you were holding, you wouldn't sell for two point two. That's really but, what I'm asking. But I think that there's that that question could go into context, Alan, because I think there's certain managers that if you were really set at the quarterback position and you wanted an exit point, I think you could justify it. At nobody's that as well. nobody's set at quarterback. That's I mean, right. That's you might right. Have to, but you're not set. 
Yeah. Well, maybe if you were a quarterback hoarder. Ah, <laughs> good bring back. Good bring there back. You go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I lean Lance. I mean, I liked Lance as a, as a prospect and now you're talking about him at the two Oh two is behind where Will Levis is going. So. All right. I, Will I, Levis or Trey Lance, you're on the clock and you need a quarterback three and you want to take a shot on one of these guys. You're it's a startup setting. You're set at quarter. You have two, you have two quarterbacks. It's t- like you, these are the last two guys that appeal to you. You're going to take one. Which one do you want? Man, I think in a in a in a vacuum, it's Trey Lance. But I think Will Levis is definitely on on a better track to being a starter. Um, I, I still I'm probably leaning Trey Lance. I was not a fan of Levis. I, I think that Le- Levis is a purgatory guy. I think he's the kind of guy that's gonna gonna start in the NFL, but he's not gonna move the needle for me. Trey Lance, if he gets a starting job with the with the rushing ability that he has. I think he's going to be like a top 15 type quarterback uh, in, 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 you know, in quarterback scoring. Will Levis seems like the kind of guy that's always going to kind of be like quarterback 24 and just be like a kind of a, a guy you never really want to start even at your QB two. Maybe I'm looking at this with rose colored glasses, but I, you know, I do see the case for Will Levis, but you're saying that he's more likely drew Locke or Paxton Lynch than he is a top 15 quarterback at this point. Or, or you know, maybe Mac Jones is his is his upside comparison. Like I, I think that that's that's also in the realm of possibilities. Where's Mac Jones going right now in best ball drafts? He's he's like late, super <laughs> late. So I think that those kind of guys are like Will Levis does have the the cannon arm, and Will Levis does have some rushing ability. So maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little too critical of him. He does have some traits that that have correlated to, to fantasy success. I just think when we think about Trey Lance. We continually got last year. We were so excited about drafting him in redraft with his scrambling ability that now it's kind of like if I could trade a, a quarterback. I mean, and also you can look at the NFL draft equity, Alan. For better or for worse, Will Levis was a second round pick. We can say, oh, well, teams were trying to trade up and make him a late first round pick. Well, Trey Lance was a top five pick. So it's it's all relative to me. Right. I, I, but I'm, I'm leaning towards the guy with the, the most upside, and I think it's Lance. If you want to make a a positive case for Lance, you would say we haven't seen him be bad yet. He just had some really bad luck, but he hasn't really won the job in training camp, you know, his rookie year or so there's, it's a very interesting case Uh, in the chat. Let us know you're on the clock in your dynasty startup draft. You need to take a quarterback. Is it going to be Will Levis or is it Trey Lance? Which one would you take? Let us know in the chat as we move on to our next situation. Let's stay with quarterbacks for a second. Hendon hooker. Uh, news came out that he's probably going to start the year on the non-football injury list. What was, wasn't his injury football related? Why are they putting him on the, the NFI list? You know, that's a good question. I, I, I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure on why the distinctions would be. Um, but you know, we all, this is, this is not a surprise. Like if you, if you invested in Hendon Hooker in a, in a rookie draft, uh, then you know that this was a long-term play and somewhat of a dart throw play based on where he fell in the draft. Jared so, Goff is good. Yeah. He's good and, enough. Exactly. And Jared Goff like is going to win a ton of games, I think this year as well. And we has weapons around them and they've kind of boxed themselves out of, you know, being able to draft a, you know, a really elite, a, a really elite uh, player next year in the draft based on the lines are going to win double digit games. I mean, Vegas is telling you that. And it's like Hennon hooker. I think he's got, some appealing traits because he, he had scrambling ability and he also threw for a ton of yards. Um, but again, you're talking about a guy that we thought could sneak a, a little higher in the NFL draft and you saw where Detroit got him. So I'm not that bullish. And 
it's a tough tough player to hold because you're really having to wait a long time. Yeah, in su- he's a super flex conversation. You're not taking him in single quarterback dynasty, but I see him go early in the third round. Some, I mean, sometimes in the second round in super flex. I mean, teams are needy for quarterback. Would you take him if you were on the clock at 3.3? Is that like the spot after the second round wide receivers? I guess really that's the question. Would you take him before or after in the middle of the second real NFL second round wide receivers? Mims, Rice, Jaden Reed. Which group do you want? Uh, I and want, where does Hooker fit in? I want the wide receivers because I think those guys have a path. I think that that Hooker is is after that. Like I, I agree with you. Like third round seems about right. But again, you're having to hold him so long. It's it's not like he's going to gain any value, and there's a chance that he just never starts an NFL game. I think that's a real possibility. But you know the the upside is if Goff struggles, maybe it accelerates the process with Hooker. But I just don't see it happening. This is what I when people ask me about Hooker, you know this is and also he's a little bit older of a prospect, isn't he? Going to be isn't he twenty five or yeah, he's old, he's super right. old. So. This is what I told people. When you're drafting Hendon Hooker, what you're hoping that you get is those good years of Tyrod Taylor, those good years of, T- of Tyler Huntley, right, when he was able to fill in. And if Jared Goff misses, quarterbacks miss games. I mean, let's let's fast forward to next year and, and envision that Jared Goff is still the quarterback on a Lions team that won two playoff games. And if Hooker's ready, you'll he'll be a good plug-in. So he'll be a player, almost treat him like a fifth-round running back, like a Khalil Herbert. That's what I told people. When you draft him, just understand he's one or two games next year, and hopefully he has the upside to uh, buoy your team when you need to win most. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's. I think you kind of nailed it. Um, he's definitely a speculative player to keep on your roster. All right. Devon A-Chain, positive news. It won't be long. This is the quote, Theo. It won't be long before he's a permanent, has a, has a Sorry, before he has a role in our offense. Meaning, you could look at this and say, oh my God, he's going to be the starter. Javon H. on the Dolphins. I look at this, and this is how we dis- uh, discern. I hear you ask a lot of your podcast guests, how do you discern news? What do you discard? Let's analyze this statement. It won't be long before he has a role in the offense. Why don't you untangle what you think that means? Because the minute that news dropped, he was drafted in the current draft I'm in, like ahead of ADP. Well, I think that it's it's been kind of continual drumbeats for for A Chain, and he was the guy that I was drafting. I know we're not supposed to get redrafty, but I drafted oh, him a fine. ton a ton in in rookie drafts. A Chain was like one of my guys, and then he was kind of steaming up in in redraft where he started sneaking into like the eighth ninth round, and then the Dalvin Cook release happened, and it adjusted A Chain down to like the tenth round. So A-Chain's become a little bit more of a value in best ball, a little bit more of a value in redraft based on, you know, the the potential for Cook landing there. But I think what's very clear is A-Chain's going to be used as a receiver out of the backfield. And I think that's the most exciting thing for him. Based on his size, he's going to have to be that to have real fantasy success. But there's been nothing but positive drumbeats from the media and nothing but positive drumbeats from what his teammates are saying about him. And Allen, few few players have an, a a lesser competition ahead of them. I mean, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert are you know very beatable. So I think that A chain, even if Dalvin Cook signs there, is going to have an every week role. And if if he can avoid Dalvin Cook, I think A chain has a real path this year because he's lightning. And we've seen how good Mike McDaniel is about getting guys in space, about utilizing speed. This is like the this is like the the next level to be able to use a chain out of the backfield with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Like no team in the NFL has three guys that fast that are that can really really go with the ball in their hands. So a chain was a good runner too. He's just small. 
Like he was very successful in the SEC. And Alan, what conference are you is most most re, uh, replicates the NFL in terms of running back success? It's it's easily the SEC. Yeah, and I rely on player profiler and the guys over at Rotowire where I work, like Mario and John, to watch a lot of college football. But you know, you guys chart everything, put all that great data in there, and so you know, I took a look at A Chain again the other day, and I saw him running through like. The tackles too. It's I know it's college. It's not the NFL. And 190 pound running back that's five foot nine is not going to be a you know a, a grinder. But it looks like that he has that skill set too. So in addition to being a speed guy, it looks like a chain. I mean, would you take? Okay, here's a dynasty uh, focused question for you, Theo. You're on the clock. You need a running back in your rookie draft. It's time to take either Kendra Miller or, or a chain. Which one at this point do you think is the better dynasty bet? Meaning over the next two to three years. We had this. We had this argument when when Cody was on with us uh, on, on on Sonic Truth earlier, Alan. Where but this is a riser and faller. We want to see who's the riser, who's the faller here. I think it's still very very close. Of course, um, it's a very very close one. I think if you need running back points this year, it's a chain. If you're going for like the the course of the career, you need to bet on the archetype running back. But I do think that there is a there's a scenario where A-Chain's really, really good, and he's underrated right now. Um, but I'm I'm big on both. They're, they're both guys that I drafted a ton in my rookie draft, so I don't want to take a cop-out. But if I showed you my portfolio, there's a lot of A-Chain, and there's, a, there's also a very good amount of Kendra Miller. So I'm into both. I don't want to take a cop-out, but I do think A-Chain scores more points than him this year in fantasy. All right, listen to this audience. I'm going to make Theo answer this question because a lot of us, you know, we're on the clock. This is the choice we have. It's a it's a $400 league, Theo. It's like a real league here where it's, you know, you're you're playing with a lot of people that you want to show that you have good fantasy football prowess. It's, uh, you know, you need a running back and it's pick 2.2. Both of these guys are at a good value right now for our rookie drafts. You need to pick one. It's a rookie draft. Your team is a win now, uh, but, you know, you're the fourth best team. You can go either direction here. Which one today, as you are listening to this podcast, are you feeling that you want to click yes on? Give me a chain then. I'll, I'll take a chain. There's your answer. And I think, and you know, tomorrow, next week, when we do Rise and Fallers, it's going to be Kendra Miller, everybody. So that's why you have to tune in every week. And, and I can I'm, trade up, I can trade up to the 203 and get Kendra as well. And I'll, and I'll take both <laughs> of them out. But I'll take a chain right now. Right now, it's a chain. I think a chain has the juice. And I think a chain is going to really surprise people with his receiving ability. Uh, I'm, I'm very bullish on him. Like let's, it's like a cross your fingers time and hold your breath that Dalvin cook does not end up there. Um, and it could be a really fun year for HN. All right. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, dynasty war zone says, uh, that's it fellas. Big bankroll, you know, to Theo that's, uh, into like guys like myself, we're, we're very rich. So it's, uh, you know, that was, that's kind of like a throwback to that post that, um, that blew up my, my league. That, you I got, I got to get into it. Alan, you got to start naming names. This is the Sonic truth, truth live. Well, I'm going to leave that to um, to to Mike and Adam on the Ask Me Anything on the Dynasty Devi, uh, uh, the Destination Debbie feed. I'm sure because he was the one involved with the fight, so I'm going to let him do all the naming he wants. Uh, to me, I'm just going to be a neutral observer at this point. Um, so anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, we reference at the beginning of the podcast. I'm in a Dynasty startup where literally a, a, something bigger than a Russian coup um, overtook. The, the podcast and I mean the podcast, the, uh, the league and people quit uh, fights happen. Uh, I mean, lawsuits are pending and there's a, there's a lot going on, but back to the Sonic truth here. You know what? Before we continue on, you started talking about podcasts. You started press coverage, brilliant name. You got, you're doing a new one-on-one podcast where Theo is going to interview, uh, you know, fantasy football press, 
more or less uh, a one-on-one interview getting the thoughts of, of great industry uh, fantasy football analysts around the industry. So why don't you tell everybody that is looking for a new podcast, we always are, in one minute or less, what is press coverage and why should they tune in and where could they find it? Yeah, so it's going to be a new player profiler uh, podcast. I'm actually debuting two this week because we had a scheduling conflict last week with what guests. So I said, you know, we'll just do back to back. I'm going to run it back, Alan. Today I've got Adam Levitan of Establish the Run and tomorrow Sigmund Bloom of, of Football Guys. So I'm going to try to have very interesting guests with the unique perspectives. And I really want to try to find edges that can help players win in fantasy. We're going to do a lot of redraft. We'll touch on some dynasty, touch on some best ball. But yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, you know, obviously I'm here in the Sonic Truth uh, streets and you can find me on First Class Fantasy with Billy Muzio every Thursday. This is going to be one more podcast, um, but but I love it. I love getting a chance to, to talk to people I respect and I love getting uh, player profiler listeners and YouTube viewers the chance to, to maybe hear something that can give them an edge. I think that it's so hard to find edges this year and hopefully I'm asking, you know, the kind of questions and talking about the right subjects that can help us actually win this year. I want to win you, some money, Alan, this year. Yeah. We want everybody to win. Yeah, you make an interesting point because going back, uh, I'm sure a lot of people that that watch the Sonic Truth podcast have been playing Dynasty, been playing fantasy for five years, ten years, two decades plus. And the edge in fantasy football used to be information. If you were able to, like, there was people, nine, nine people in your 12 person league didn't know who the second running back was, who the third wide receiver was on their team. If you knew depth charts, if you knew information going back to your two decades ago, you actually had an edge in your league. Now, you know, they make the joke that Bob in accounting, right? He knows who the, the fourth wide receiver is. Every information is a commodity at this point. So what you're trying to do here is actually find where the edge is. And what we mean by edge, I mean, everyone thinks we hear that word a lot is, what's the advantage that you could have that most of your league's not going to have? So, I mean, let me ask you that question. What do you think the edge is in fantasy football in 2023? I think in 2023, it's kind of, that's a great question, Alan. And I think <laughs> it's the, a hard like, one. <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult one. I think it's, I think it comes down to value. I think that there's so we get so caught up into rankings and tiers. It's a big thing, but at the end of the day, there's certain players that just break fantasy. It happens every single year, and being able to identify that upside in like round six through ten, I think is the most important thing. We're seeing every single year, we're seeing these league winners come out of this range of the draft. You know, we saw Debo Samuel and we saw Jamar Chase in 2021, Stefan Diggs in 2020, last year with Josh Jacobs come out of this particular range where if you can nail these rounds and, and I think that we get so caught up into positions, I want to nail the best possible scoring outcomes from these, this range of the draft. So for me this year, as good as we get at ranking, as good as we get as, at predicting Every single year, the values still fall into this range. It's it's just a no-brainer. And I think the other real edge you can get is being able to identify mispriced teammate situations. You see it every single year, Alan, where these guys are taking a teammate ahead of another teammate, and maybe the consensus moves a guy up for no reason, and then all of a sudden you get Cooper Cup Robert Woods in 2021, where Woods was going ahead of him, and and cup wins everybody their the league. So I think those two are, that, are really I just uh, want to stop you there. Like do you remember that Robert Woods yeah. was going ahead of Cooper Cup in the 5th round or 4th round of fantasy drafts. It it was so obvious, but yet ADP did not adjust. That that happens every year. That is such a good point. 
the same year Brandon Ayuk was going ahead of Debo Samuel. And last year we saw the enthusiasm where Elijah Moore, you know, and and that's one that I, I got wrong. Like I was all over Elijah Moore last year. And Garrett Wilson was just sitting there as a higher pedigreed player. Rookie, you can, you can understand, though. It's a rookie. Yeah. You, you, you kind of understand. But Woods and Cup had been around for five years plus, you know. It was, And the other uh, situations, your name. Th- this would be, I'm going to add on to what you said here. And this is a, a redraft-centric uh, uh, question, but you could use it in your dynasty league. Oh, dynasty, dynasty the, like, using, using redraft to your betterment in dynasty this time of year is also another edge you can have. Like every single year you see certain guys get steamed up in redraft that are poor bets to make in dynasty. Who would be How an example manage- of that? Who would be in re- last either- yeah. So I'll say last year there was a ton of steam around Cortland Sutton mm. and a ton of steam around Gabe Davis. You saw a lot of people just on principle cashing out on Gabe Davis. I'd never had a ton of Davis in dynasty, but you saw a lot of cash outs. I was able to cash out on pretty much all my Cortland Sutton stock last year. I had a FFPC league, a higher stakes one, where I got Garrett Wilson and a second for Cortland Sutton back when Sutton was like sneaking into high stakes second round. Um, So I think that using redraft ADP as a dynasty manager, using underdog ADP and seeing these guys that are really, really steaming up and steaming up to like the artificial elite tier where you see guys starting to touch the third round, touch the fourth round, touch the second round. And those are the kind of guys you can cash out on. I think that's that you can absolutely use as an edge in dynasty. Yeah. And when we talk about dynasty startup framework, right? I mean, what's really the, what is the definition of a dynasty league is real or sorry, what makes a dynasty league different from redraft? It's the way we value the same players. Yep. For example, Keenan Allen is a third round pick in most redraft leagues. Keenan Allen is a seventh to ninth round pick in dynasty leagues. Same player, different value. I mean, you can go into age or situation, whatever it is, but that's really the difference. So where I think the edge is in dynasty leagues is taking the redraft rankings and looking who has the biggest chasm in ADP and using that to find value. So, you know, I mean, and we always say dynasty, is this guy going to be good for the next five years? I mean, we could all be dead in five years, Theo. So I think that you, you, you know, you hear a lot of fantasy analysts and wisely so say play dynasty in one to two year windows. Think about how, average we are at predicting what's going to happen in the uh, fantasy season ahead of us. Try predicting it two and three years out. There's very few guys. Sure, Patrick Mahomes can be predicted three to five years out. But other than that, man, I mean, if you look at the go back and look at dynasty rankings, Theo, from four years ago. I mean, like Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, (laughs) these guys were up up near the top. It's uh, Devontae Freeman was six or seven years ago. I mean, that guy has been out of the league for multiple years now. Yeah, I mean it's it's continually changing, especially in dynasty, especially with the running back position. It's it's like and, and Alan, you know, we've talked about this in terms of theory. Like in certain dynasty startups, how many people are actually going for it in year one? Sometimes you get into a league and you see only like three people really, really pushing it in. You know, you could potentially have an edge there and being a win now team just based on watching how people are trying to build so hard for the future. So there's lots of edges to be had. I think another edge to be had is like you bring up the information age where we have so many people giving us so much, whether it's Twitter, whether it's multiple websites, whether it's tons of podcasts. I know that you and I both listen to a ton of podcasts. I know that Memphis Young, um, who's in the chat right now, listens to everything. And I think that's being able to like zone in and kind of ignore certain voices 
and maybe take a few things information wise they give you, but not listening to anything in terms of like dogmatic thinking. I think that really is an edge to be had as well. I think some players get so overwhelmed that they start liking everybody because you hear bull cases for everybody. And then you're just like, uh, then you just become an ADP drafter. So I think that like, there's so many, there's so many edges still to be had. Um, but like you said, the, knowing, knowing the news is a, is an edge that's gone. Everybody can know the news. Right. And the other thing that, you know, people listening to this podcast, listening to the live stream and that listen to all of the podcasts that you do on the player profiler network, we, we do this year round. Right. And this is the other thing that I found over time is that your thoughts, your process, your, your player takes that you have in April and May, those are probably better than the ones you have in August because you've been poisoned by yes. the fire hose of, of, hey, these 17 players are going to be the best sleepers. You can't miss. There's a great uh, account on Twitter called the Fantasy Gazette, and it's almost like The Onion. You know what The Onion is, Theo? It's a satirical, right, you, The yep. Onion. One of my favorite, onion, I'll get back to the story. One of my favorite Onion headlines was on the sports page. It says, uh, this was during the steroid era. It says, Rocky uh, Rocky uh, found guilty of steroids, uh, titles from one and two and three taken away, you know? So, you know, again, satirical newspaper. But there's a Fantasy Gazette does that same thing for fantasy football and they put up a you know a, a thing that says these 17 players are guaranteed to win your league follow and if you like tweets like this follow me for more you know like they're kind of goofing on what we all do so um you know but the main point was try to not let all of the fire hose of news that uh and takes that theo just identified poison your mindset if you go back to your may rankings they're probably going to be better when we draft in in august and september yeah, and a lot of times the like the the guys that get steamed might be getting steamed for wrong reasons, and then you see the like the the group think the whether it's dynasty, whether it's redraft, you see people start to see like maybe a couple of sharp people all agree, and then everybody's on that one take, and that then that creates the artificial values, and then it, you end up in bad situations. So yeah, I completely agree with you. All right, let's uh, let's continue on with a few more um, updates, risers, fallers. We did a lot of dynasty strategy, which I love. I could talk that stuff all day for you. But uh, Jordan Love, positive reports. I don't think anybody believes Romeo Dobbs that he's just as good as Aaron Rodgers. But uh, Jordan Love is like QB eighteen, QB twenty in ADP. I mean, this could. I mean, we're we're everyone's skeptical, myself included. But I think there's a more bull case for Jordan Love to be made. Like it's not impossible that he could be QB 10 when this is all over, right? I mean, he was a first-round pick. He had some mobility. He's been learning, and people love when quarterbacks sit and learn for three years. Where are you on Jordan Love? And then also, even if you're lower on Theo, give the upside case, just in case people want to be interested in him for their dynasty leagues. I'm in on Jordan Love. Oh, I good. think Jordan Love, like where he's where he's valued, I think he's a, he's a, he's a buy in dynasty. And he's a guy that I've been taking an underdog for for a redraft. I agree with you. Like I think that his weapons are young, but they've put a lot into it the last two years with Christian Watson, your guy. They take Romeo Dubs last year. This year they double tap the tight end position and they draft Jaden Reed. And we like Aaron Jones. We like AJ Dillon as his backup. So they have capable offensive skill position players. I think they have a coach that understands what he's doing. And they're a winning organization. And I think that based on what they didn't do is bring in like younger quarterback competition for Jordan Love. They could have done that this year. They didn't do it. They didn't go out and get anybody that's a threat to him. 
like they're in on this. So for me, I think we should be in on Jordan Love as well. I, I think that it's difficult kind of diving into a guy that we haven't really seen play. But I do think that the organization has shown a great deal of faith in him. And like you said, Alan, he doesn't cost anything. I think people made their mind up that they didn't like Jordan Love years ago. and Because he was overdrafted. Yeah. You know, it's... Well, at the end of the day, we'll find out this year. Because they end up getting him at the end of the first round. And if and if this, uh, you know, if this is the Green Bay Packer model where they have a guy sit behind a, a veteran... And a and Hall of Famer. Yeah, they have they goes Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and then Jordan Love. If they can get five years of starting quarterback play out of him, four years of starting quarterback play out of him, then they didn't waste that first round pick. Yeah. Just because he sat on the bench, you know, like didn't doesn't make it a bad pick because he, obviously they think that he learned the system and he's ready to rock. Now, if he falls flat on his face, then then that there you go. They're in big yeah. trouble this year. Yeah, who finishes is- who finishes last in that division, Alan? I mean, it's let's say we all agree that the Lions are probably the favorite, right? And then you have the Bears, the Packers, and um, who's the other Min- team? In the, Minnesota. And, and Minnesota, right? Yeah. So, right. So uh, it's pro. I would say from a projection standpoint, it's it's uh, Green Bay, but that's because we're factoring in the Jordan Love. We're almost thinking of him like a rookie quarterback. If we knew, like for example, if you swapped out, if you put Ryan Tannehill, right, an experienced veteran. In, instead of Jordan, uh, instead of Jordan Love in there, you'd be like, okay, so now we're projecting him ahead of the Bears, right? So it's just, or maybe not. I don't know. Whoever a good solid veteran is. So I think that if I'm just making a bet, it would be uh, the Packers. But obviously, anything if Kirk Cousins gets injured, now all of a sudden that team falls. So it's a wide open division. The thing I wanted to ask you about Jordan Love because when we we're talking about edges in fantasy football, I mean, if we knew who that quarterback going outside the top 15 quarterbacks top 18 quarterbacks every year there's one that gets vaulted up into like the top 10 Jordan Love seems like a reasonable bet to be that guy and if you draft him redraft dynasty superflex single quarterback and single quarterback you probably won't be drafted but that's one of the edges in fantasy football identifying quarterback 15 plus that finishes as quarterback eight plus it, that's it's so difficult though this this day and age because you're not allowed to get uh, quarterbacks with rushing upside cheap. Like years ago, Anthony Richardson in redraft would have been the edge. People would have been worried about a 20 year old quarterback and who's never started a game and was okay in college, and you would have been able to get him cheap, cheap. Now you can't get like quarterback is so difficult to find really really good edges in. Um, I don't know, but I do agree with you. I think Jordan Love like he has a path to be a QB one this year. But is it an impactful enough uh, number that you know affects fantasy? That that remains to be seen. But saying a guy that's quarterback eighteen finishes as quarterback ten, if you look at how flat it can be in terms of that scoring, that's a that's a fine bet to make. And if your guy Christian Watson is as good as we think, then he's got a dynamic uh, wide receiver who's scoring double digit uh, touchdowns this year. So that's like that's like a big edge right there to have a to have an alpha on the outside even if he has tunnel vision and wants to, to lock in on a guy, if Christian Watson really is that dude, then it's right there. And I do think Aaron Jones out of the backfield as a safety blanket for a young quarterback, I think that's that's a really, really nice thing to have. Sample of one from last year, Week 12 versus Philly, a real opponent, Jordan Love to Christian Watson, four catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. So, again, sample of one, but football is a small sample size sport, Theo. Another piece of news that caught my eye this week was that Cordell Patterson is going to return to his pass-catching role. Let's remember, when he was with the Vikings, he was a wide receiver. And the reason I'm bringing this up is not because this is going to shift the dynamic of your league, but 
What does this mean for Bijan Robinson? I I read this as a good thing that hey Cordell, thanks for a couple of years of running back service. You're going back to being a wide receiver now, or you know, just untangle it for me what this means. I mean, because Bijan's going to be running back one, two, or three in in all four, in your dynasty in your uh, sorry redraft league, running back one in your dynasty league. But what do you think this means for his year one first six weeks of the season impact on fantasy football? Well, I think it's great because you get the best best pass catching back threat to, uh, on the on the team kind of moved out of there, and I think it just shows that Bijan's going to be on the field an absolute ton, and it also shows that they still value Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson's kind of like their wide receiver too. If you had to bet on a guy to score the most fantasy points this year, Cordero Patterson or, or Mac Hollins, you're going to go Cordero Patterson most likely. So, like I think it's it's kind of good for like Cordero Patterson best ball drafters, and it's. Everything is good for Bijan Robinson Allen. He's a unicorn. He's the chosen one. You know, we we don't have any pushback. Me and you are both into Bijan. That's right. We can just we can just we can hype him up for the next 15 minutes if you want to, because he's going to score so many points this year. He's going to get the ball so often. Um, you know, I heard a report that they were comparing some of their ways they want to get him the ball to Debo Samuel during Debo's big year. Like we're going to see unique and creative ways of Bijan getting out in space. And I think he's going to have a lot of big plays this year. Everything is just looking awesome for him. Dynasty right. managers, it's like the greatest thing ever to have Bijan Robinson on your dynasty teams right now. All right, guys, get ready for some Bijan Robinson porn. Here it comes. Ready? I mean, what is it? This is the thing because you and I are doing a redraft high stakes league. We talked about earlier the NFFC. Yeah. Uh, we like to put a little bit of uh, some of our high stakes dollars on some platforms. We love the FFPC the most. We know that, right? But when we do this uh, draft, it's going to be live broadcast with a bunch of heavy hitters, people that have won uh, the NFFC. Tell everybody where they can find that that podcast. Okay, so it's going to be a live stream. It's a high-stakes draft on the NFFC, but we're going to do it from the Rotowire um, uh, YouTube feed, and you'll hear about it because you, you'll retweet it because you're going to be on there uh, July 27th. It's a month away. You have plenty of time to promote it, but just something to log in the back of your brain. You want to see where the high-stakes drafters are drafting? We are doing a single quarterback redraft league uh, on the NFFC's format, which is you know the traditional fantasy football format. But B. John Robinson, if, I mean, Arthur Smith, the coach that, basically made Derrick Henry the linchpin of the offense, right? I mean, when he was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee, is Bijan Robinson. We're going to switch to redraft for a second because we all know where Bijan's going in our dynasty leagues. Are you there with me that he's a defensible 1.2 in in uh, redraft leagues or you're just not there yet? At the at the 102? Yeah, so like I still believe Justin Jefferson should or you, a wide one of the wide receivers should be the first player off the board. And that Bijan Robinson is defensible at the second pick off the board, ahead of Christian McCaffrey, ahead of your wide receiver too, ahead of Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey, non-premium. Where are you? What's the what's the the spot where Bijan can be taken? Where you're just not going to be like, oh, what a bad pick. I think that he's going to end up being the 105 in non-tight end premium uh, when it comes down to it. When we get into the August and September drafts, I think that right now he's leapt Austin Eckler in a lot of these formats. Why? Why? Because Austin Eckler is going into year seven and Bijan Robinson is going into year one. Austin Eckler is older. And also we have a new, and then the other more nuanced answer would be there's a new offensive coordinator there. Maybe they throw downfield a little more and check down to the running back a little less. I still think Austin Eckler is a value in the first round, but at the end of the day, Bijan Robinson, we saw what Arthur Smith did with Derrick Henry in terms of volume. And this is the franchise. I think Atlanta is also going to win a lot of games this year. I think that division is poor, and I think Atlanta can win the division. 
And I think that the way they win the division is not Desmond Ritter back there trying to, you know, be a hero. I think it's a managed offense with a consolidated target tree and an absolute ton of Bijan Robinson. So I think you make a case for the 102, but I would push back that I think it's a wide receiver year and I would not want to take him ahead of Jamar Chase and I wouldn't want to take him ahead of Tyreek Hill. Um, in, and if we get down to the end of August and the Rams, everything looks you know hunky-dory in Los Angeles, it's hard to take him over Cooper Cup. Um, but I can make that argument. Like I'm not, I'm not like a somebody who has to take Cooper Cup. Yep. But I think at the end of the day, Cooper Cup's a 20 point per game scorer, and I want to walk out of that top five with a 20 point per game scorer. Bijan Robinson, he's certainly there. He, uh, here's the other thing: if you're drafting in June or July before we have some of these answers, I think that if you just look at Austin Eckler versus Bijan Robinson, that Austin Eckler, I still believe there is a threat for one of the veteran running backs to land there. Okay. Yeah. Kellen Moore, we can make this connection, right? Kellen Moore, former Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator, now with the Chargers. Austin Eckler, always wanting someone to help him with some of the tough carries. Doesn't Zeke seem to fit right in there? They can't find, they've been throwing fourth round picks, the Chargers, at backup running backs that just haven't panned out. It's easy to see. Listen, I, no matter what you think of Zeke Elliott, he had 12 touchdowns last year. That was top three or four in rushing touchdowns. I mean, Jamal Williams had more. Again, it's it just seems like there's a threat of one of the vets going there. Whereas Bijan Robinson, it is what it is. This is it's cleared out at this point. I think that the real threat for Austin Eckler is not somebody who's going to take away his 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 touchdown scoring as a rusher. I think the real threat to Austin Eckler is he goes down to like an 80 catch season instead of a hundred catch season. Like that's all it takes for him to drop because his game is so predicated on being a highly targeted guy. And they've added Quentin Johnston. We just saw we just saw good reports at camp about Donald Parham. Then maybe they're going to go with 12 personnel a little bit more. And then they obviously have, when Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are both healthy, those guys are going to get targeted as well. So, like, we've seen Justin Herbert the last two seasons looking for Eckler out of the backfield so, so much. I think that's the downside risk for Eckler is he just is not like Superman on the receptions. He's still a top three running back in, um, in terms of catches and targets, but he's not like right at number one. Knowing who to draft in your dynasty league is just as important as knowing who to cut off your dynasty league. I had Matt Kelly on the Rotowire podcast back in uh, March, and we talked about guys that are clogging up your rosters, roster cloggers. It's a it's a, a, a term where basically players that you're never going to start that are just sitting on your roster. And one of the players that uh, that I got asked about yesterday was David Bell, the third round pick of the of the Browns from last year but is now projected per Mary Kay Cabot, the beat writer, to make the 53. Is this the type of player, because there's a whole bunch of them, wide receiver, third-round wide receivers that don't hit in the first round. There's Jalen Tolbert on the Cowboys. Are these the type of players that you're clipping, or is it really like clipping for who? Um, I'm starting to see more and more of those questions as Dynasty players become more educated on what type of players should be on their roster. The best dynasty managers are not necessarily the ones who know when to trade for guys when they know when to get out. Mm. And I think like the third rounders, they've failed big time. The last few years, the third rounders have been a train wreck. And the last uh, the last third rounders to really hit were Deontay Johnson and Terry McLaurin. Th- I knew Terry was. I didn't realize that Deontay was a third rounder. I thought he was. Oh, wow. OK, that's interesting. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Deontay Johnson, was he a fourth or a third? I, believe I mean, he was I a thought- third. 
I'll take your word for it. In my mind, I guess I hadn't looked into it in a handful of years. I, I was thinking that he was a second rounder because you always think of Steelers. No, definitely, definitely, yeah, no not I, a, definitely not a second. Those two guys, I believe, are both third. If I'm incorrect on Deontay, he was a fourth. But since then, we haven't had any third rounders hit. It was like I think that Josh Palmer ha- might have had the most success of any third round pick since, to put De- it in context. Deontay was a third rounder pick 66 overall in 2019. Good. So I got that one right. Good. I'm, I'm glad. Um, the uh, check. I get a check. That's good. Um, so I think I think David Bell's dust. I don't I wouldn't trust him right now. I think he might make the roster. But at the end of the day, Alan, they added Elijah Moore. They added Cedric Tillman. And we see that and we Amari Cooper, you know, is a is a target hog there. David Njoku is a threat. And I think at the end of the day, David Bell can be an NFL receiver. I liked him out of college, but I think betting on him taking a big leap here when they when they drafted Cedric Tillman, Cedric Tillman's going to have a role because they don't have any receiver as big and as strong as Cedric Tillman. Like he's the biggest receiver they have. He's the size guy, um, and I think that Donovan Peoples Jones is obviously not going to go away. So right now, I think David Bell is the wide receiver five, and that's not something I want to bet on. It's difficult. Yeah, and let's juxtapose that with I saw I was actually about to bring up Wandell Robinson, and I see somebody in the chat had asked about Wandell. The reason I would say that that's different is strictly draft pedigree. Wandell Robinson was a second round pick. He was uh, a pick of the current regime of of coach of the coach and and GM, and it really he didn't fail because of performance or didn't show it. You know, in practice, it just he got hurt. So I and guess he flashed was, and he flashed last year. There it we is. saw so, Wandell play well. David Bell like didn't do a thing. So David Bell like, I liked David Bell. I liked him as a prospect, and we were so, so thrilled that he snuck into day two. That I think like a lot of people steamed him up. There were people that liked David Bell more than Jahan Dotson last year, and I think that the David Bell like, it's kind of like a you you had like the David David Bell stands, and I think a lot of them were fantasy football analysts, and I think that kind of drove him up in terms of what people thought they would get out of him. Um, but at the end of the day, he didn't do anything as a rookie. And I want guys to flash his rookies, Alan. Right. So, yeah, so just a uh, lightning round, Tolbert, roster clogger, flush him. Flush him. And then Wandell we're keeping. How yep. about someone like Justin Ross, right? Justin Ross is projected now not to make the 53. I've told a couple people, if you can hold on, there's going to be interest. He's like, you know what he's like? He's like the Keishon Boutte a little bit from this year, right? Where, I mean, for different reasons, but he's flawed. There's, he, he loved the upside. I mean, if Ross gets cut from the Chiefs, are you going to hold on to him? No. Okay. I'm, I'm personally just don't, don't believe that he's going to be a thing. Um, you know, the, the, he was such a great player when he was young at Clemson, contributed on, the, on a, like elite teams with NFL players around him. But at the end of the day, the injury is the injury. He wasn't drafted by the NFL. It's difficult to bet on the undrafted free agent uh, wide receivers. The fact that he's there in year two is already kind of a win in terms of his profile. Um, so obviously the Chiefs, you know, want it to happen. But again, even even when you look at Kansas City, they have Marquez Valdez-Scanling is not going to go anywhere. He kind of has his role set on the team. They've added Rashi Rice. They have your guy, Kadarius Toney. They have Sky Moore, and they have Travis Kelsey. It's such an uphill battle for Justin Ross to carve out a role. Then you add in the fact that he might not make the team, and then you add in the fact that he had a major injury. So for me, it's it's just I'm not, I'm not betting on guys like that with my dynasty rosters. 
Okay, we're about to hit on our last topic of the day. But before we talk about Traylon Burks, Theo, I want to remind everyone, if you love videos like this, consider hitting the like button, share it if you like, and, uh, and, and subscribe to the Player Profiler channel. Again, you could follow Theo on Twitter, as we all do, at, uh, the OG uh, Fantasy, right? Well, what's your, yep. uh, your updated Twitter? It's the OG Fantasy. Yep, that's okay. it. I have, um, a, I, had a, I have a some imposter, Alan. It's well, that's how you know you're making... That's yeah, how you so know I, you're making it. I feel it. like somebody, I was like, what? Who's, Who's your imposter? Who's your imposter? What's their screen name? Give a shout out it's, to the imposter. I, I don't remember, but it was like, it was like the OG fantasy with a bunch of numbers next to ah, it. Ah, beautiful. And it was in like a foreign language. And I was like, I don't know. I blocked the guy, but it was weird. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, uh, I long for the day that I get some imposters, fake Alan Soslowski out there. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Alan Soslowski and make sure you follow the player profiler account as well. Sonic truth has their own Twitter as well to keep updated on everything we do. And just to let everybody know, uh, you could follow the Rotowire account too. We have uh, a news feed that just constantly, if you, if you get your sleeper alerts, whatever, that's fine too. But, uh, Rotowire, great place for news. Yeah, you can go and, and I'll, sh- and I'll shout out, um, like Jim Coventry is great. Mario Puig is, is certain great. Like you've got some really really sharp minds. I like listening to the Rotowire stuff myself, um, and you guys are are the best there is for the for the news. Yep, cool. I'm glad uh, glad that you you know it's been a good partnership with Player Profiler and Rotowire over the last few few years, and especially with this podcast venture. All right, last topic of the day for the Sonic Truth is we're going to talk about Traylon Burks. Now Traylon Burks that that was a, such an interesting argument going back a year ago. I think he showed enough where I think there's there's reason to be optimistic. Right now he's slated to be the target leader. Uh, so in dynasty leagues, uh, he. His, his price is fair, right? I mean, he's like, what, like the 14th-ish wide receiver without checking off the board? Where are you on Traylon Burks? The news has been that he's, quote, best shape of his life type of stuff, right? So we, we know to discard that type of hype, but you talked about a drumbeat earlier, meaning like forward momentum for a player. If you're in a startup draft or if you're trying to make some trades, is this, is this a player that's on the rise? Yeah, certainly. I want Traylon Burks. And I think Traylon Burks is a guy that I saw certain people get out of this year um, maybe they had too much exposure to, and he had a nice exit point in terms of what you could trade for him as like a late first round pick in non super flex. You kind of like a little bit get in, get out. But for me, I held all my Traylon Burks. I, I'm bullish on him. I think that he's got a big range of outcomes with his scoring this year, Alan. But I think that like you make the bull argument, he he could have a very very high target share, like a like a like a ridiculous target share, like a 27 percent type guy. And even if the quality of the offense is low, if we get these guys with ridiculous target shares, uh, at the end of the day, I think like finishing as wide receiver 18 around that range is within the range of outcomes for him this year. Finishing as wide receiver 36 is in the range of outcomes. I think he's a he's a wide range of outcomes guy, but we did see see it last year. And we talk about like trying trying to like ignore too much news. But the drumbeats are all positive with him. From Mike Vrabel to the uh, to his fellow teammates to the beat reporters, they all say that it's been Traylon Burks in the offense. They say Ryan Tannehill is willing to, willing to throw to him when he's not open. Like they're force-feeding him. And Alan, who else are they going to throw the ball to? It's Nick Westbrook-Akini. And Ch- we want Chig. Ch- well, Chig, but at the end of the day, tight ends don't get targets. Like He's 230 pounds. Though. Is he like a true tight end or is he just a glorified, you know, modern day pass catcher with a TE next to his name? That's that's a good point. He's a, certainly a move tight end, but at the end of the day, Chig is not going to get 100 targets. Tight yeah. ends just don't get 100 targets. 85 if we're lucky. If, if yeah, if Chigakonkwo gets 
90 targets, then he's a smash where he's being drafted right, right now. 65 catches for 700 yards and seven touchdowns is a huge windfall for someone like that. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a, he's a smash pick. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's Traylon Burks. He's the most pedigreed guy. And I think also internally as an organization, Traylon Burks has to succeed. This was the like-for-like like replacement with A.J. Brown, who could have been an all-time Titan. Like A.J. Brown, if he would have just done his entire career in, in Tennessee, uh, would have gone down as the kind of guy that set pretty much every record for them. They let him go to Philly. Obviously, they get the first rounder back. That turned into Traylon Burks. So they have to get something out of this uh, or they're going to look terrible. And I think Traylon Burks this year, this is the year he breaks out. It seems like a simple, low-hanging fruit, but he's a guy that I can't stop drafting in best ball, and I just won't trade him in Dynasty for better or for worse. And that's the show, guys. Yeah, no, the, the, you and out. You have to go out on that. When you when you do the audio version, cut it out over there. That All right, so good, let's. We're gonna, good, do, we're gonna do. No, we're yeah, gonna this do it is bonus. Time. This is bonus content. This is gonna be cut out of the audio anyway. So, but I want you to cut that that feed right after that because that was a good strong take by Theo. All right, for everyone else though, because this part is not gonna make it into the audio podcast. If, uh, if you have any questions about any of the players that Theo or I talked about or any of the dynasty strategies, hit us up. We love talking to people. We love engaging with it. If you leave a comment on the video, uh, one of us will answer it back as well. We'll see everybody next week. Matt Kelly will be back finally yes. living the life of leisure, being with his family instead of doing a podcast. Terrible. 330 Eastern time press coverage. Adam Levitan. It's going to be it's going to be lit. Everyone. Good, that, good. That's the show. That's the show. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.